Hello, and welcome to the Almost Enlightened podcast. I'm your host, Alex Morin. Hey, here's a question for you. What does wrestling and the Almost Enlightened podcast have in common? Well, let me tell you. The other day I was introduced to the founder of The Wrestling Estate, an organization dedicated to chronicling the sport of independent and local wrestling. I was intrigued by the conversation because I could detect the passion in our dialogue. Upon doing some research, I discovered that the team is fueled by their passion and an award-winning journalism pedigree with staff and contributors who are senior writers and published authors. One of the articles that interested me was called Not Done Speaking Out, which bravely tackles the subject of sexual misconduct and harassment in the wrestling world. If you're curious about the sport or you're already a wrestling enthusiast, you're going to want to check them out at www.therestlingestate.com. And now, back to today's episode. Are we creative beings? What does that question actually mean? To me, that question directs our attention to an ability as human beings to create and to do so by using our imaginations. This is the subject I'd like to tackle today, which provides a beautiful connection to last week's episode, It's a Matter of the Heart. When we think of creativity, I think that most of us would believe that it's a brain thing. I mean, think of the image that's most often used when someone's describing creativity or imagination. It's the light bulb, isn't it? And when we see that image in print or in cartoons, that light bulb is always placed where? Over our heads, right? So we've developed this belief that the imagination comes from the brain. Well, let's explore that concept. Psychologists agree that the conscious mind performs many cognitive functions. Some of those functions include executive functions, such as organization and regulation, and include faculties such as reason, memory, focus, perception, and you got it, imagination. And in studying and practicing the use of these faculties, I've discovered something quite interesting. It took me quite a while to figure this out, and I'd read about it in books. But like Einstein said, the only source of knowledge is experience. And what I've discovered through experience is that there are times when I'm highly imaginative and creative and times when I'm not. Now, I had a vague notion that for me, imagination often comes when I was relaxed and reflective oftentimes being on my own. But I will say that I could or can be equally as imaginative in the presence of trusted friends or family. Now that should have been my first clue, but like we often do in life, we miss the symbols. And what I had missed was a realization that my imagination is often at its most potent when I'm relaxed. And this is gonna sound counterintuitive, but also when I wasn't thinking so hard. Now, let's do a mini-review of last week's episode entitled, It's a Matter of the Heart, and then I'm going to really get into the imagination. In last week's episode, we found out that recent discoveries have uncovered the fact that the heart has its own mini-brain, consisting of some 40,000 neurons that are similar to the ones found in the brain. In fact, the heart communicates with the brain in four main ways and ultimately does more communication with the brain than vice versa. And what we're discovering is that the communication from the heart to the brain actually stimulates biochemical reactions in the brain that affect our cognitive and emotional responses. In simple terms, 
the heart seems to exercise a degree of control, or let's call it a degree of influence, over certain executive functions based on my interpretation of the evidence. The Heart Math Institute puts it this way. Experiments suggest atrial peptide can influence motivation and behavior. Atrial peptide is a fancy way of referring to the hormones that are created in the heart. Evidence suggests that those peptides are influencing what's going on in our heads. Hmm. So the other day, I was watching a Greg Braden show, and he was able to provide the easiest way yet that I've ever heard of on how to get into one's heart space. In fact, it was so simple that I thought to myself, man, even I can do this. So I'm going to share that method with you because I think you'll find it to be quite valuable. So here it is. Step one, put your hands or one of your hands, if you like, over your heart. This is going to provide a tactile reminder and a physical connection to your heart. Pretty easy so far, right? Okay. Step two, slow your breathing down. This simple act tells your body that you're not in a state of anxiety, panic, or fight-flight. That's still easy, right? Okay, here it is, the last step, step number three. Get into a state of gratitude, compassion, or love. And that, my friends, is it. Now stay relaxed and let it all unfold. For those of you who subscribe to my newsletter, you'll have read this already. But for those of you who don't get the newsletter, I'll tell you that something incredible occurred to me when I practiced those three simple steps. I actually entered my heart space and got into a meditative state. And all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, I heard a voice, and it was as clear as anything I've ever heard. In five words, I was provided with an insight that was so profound that I knew it to be truth. It was an incredible moment for me and one that I will never forget. Now, was that voice infinite intelligence? Was it my very own voice? Was it intuition? Am I going crazy? In the end, it really doesn't matter. But for the purpose of attempting to recreate such a connection to the imagination, I'm going to delve a little deeper into what may have happened. Have you ever noticed that it's difficult to be creative when you're stressed or have a great deal of anxiety? And this is because you're in survival mode, which means that your heart's beating faster than normal, your brain waves are erratic, and your breath is shallow and faster than usual. Out of the three things I just pointed out, the brain waves, the beating heart, and the fast breathing, there's one of them, in my opinion, that's the easiest to control, and that's the breathing. From WebMD to PubMed, there are countless medical publications that validate the fact that slowing down one's breathing has a correlative effect on decreasing systolic and diastolic blood pressure in addition to reducing the actual heart rate. And as we learned in last week's episode, when we develop heart coherence, the simple state of one's heart beating with regularity in an orderly, organized, and efficient way then its electromagnetic field becomes more coherent as well and sends a highly efficient and coherent signal to your entire body, including the brain. So when we were talking earlier about the imagination and that light bulb over the head, it would seem to me that it's actually in the right place. But what if I were to suggest that the light bulb's energy source may well be coming from the heart? 
In other words, what if it were the heart that's the source of energy for the brain? Remember, my own experience and observations indicate to me that I'm at my most creative when I'm relaxed, free of stress, and in a safe environment. When those conditions are met, it's highly probable that my heart is beating coherently. What's interesting here is that it appears as though the gateway to a coherent heart rhythm and coherence between the heart and the brain gets its start with your breathing. And I find that interesting indeed. As I delve deeper into the art of breathing, I'll be sure to create an episode on that very topic. In the meantime, I'd like to share one of my personal insights, and that is that there's nothing more exciting than nothing. (laughs) What a non sequitur, huh? What I mean by that is that this is the state of mind I like to get into when I'm creating. Out of nothing, the most fabulous things are created, right? Before there was a tree growing, there was nothing. Before you were born, there was nothing. If you can get to a nothing state, then everything is a possibility. Literally everything. The great artist Michelangelo could see something in the void. For within a slab of pure marble, he said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. He also said that, The true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. And holy smokes, that last quote speaks to me. So let me repeat it. The true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. Michelangelo knew or felt something that we've forgotten. Behind every great achievement, work of art, or material object is true perfection. I believe that he was talking about the plane from which everything springs. Now, I can sometimes find that plane when I connect the heart to the brain. For me, this state creates excitement in the heart. It's something I can feel, and that excitement is formulated into creation through the assembly of thought energy. Now, you may begin to understand the deep connection between the heart and the brain. This is the realm of the imagination, and this realm is all about connection. Everything is connected in this realm. The flow is happening from heart to brain and from void to self. You can even see physical evidence of it everywhere. In fact, it's all around you. Everything is but a manifestation of the connections you make out of pure energy. Let's dig a little deeper. It seems to me that the actual word imagination is mislabeled because its etymology comes from the Latin verb imaginari, which means to picture oneself. It's the picturing part that I'm going to challenge. While I'll admit that nearly everything that goes through my mind is accompanied by some sort of visual image or picture, I'll also assert that I have known things to be true in which that truth was steeped in a feeling as opposed to a visual. To believe that the imagination is merely visual is to believe that awareness without the five senses is meaningless. Being aware of one's awareness, for example, is a knowingness that doesn't require any visuals. But to picture oneself also implies an inward process, which is where I believe the seat of imagination exists. So I don't entirely disagree with the word imagination itself. When the imaginative process begins from a relaxed state, as it so often does in my case, I tend to feel connecting points of disparate thoughts culminate in an idea that then usually transforms into accompanying pictures. But really, it's the feeling that comes first for me. 
the greater and more intense that feeling, the likelier it is that I'm onto a highly creative or even a groundbreaking concept. Now, let me ask you, does that ever happen to you? Have you ever been lying in bed and all of a sudden you are absolutely inspired by an incredible thought? Could it be that your relaxed state in bed has something to do with a heart-brain connection? The very same heart-brain connection that we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. I keep a journal next to my bed for that very reason, and it is filled with energy that comes directly from my imagination. So the next question I'm going to ask you is this. What do you do with these imaginative ideas? Because based on my experience of working collaboratively with countless people over the years, this is what I've noticed. People tend to talk themselves out of their greatest ideas. Nah, that would never fly. That's just stupid. Or that would take tons of work are only some of the common self-denying words I've heard over the years. And why do you suppose we do that? (laughs) It's a pretty good question. It's because for most of us, we're conditioned to act on who we are as opposed to who we want to be. But that's a much larger topic for another day. Suffice to say that it'll benefit you to begin to really become aware of those feelings of inspiration. And I will guarantee you that when they feel right, it's because they probably are right. This used to happen fairly frequently to me in the corporate world of which I was a part for 20 years. In fact, I remember reflecting on a rebrand that we were undergoing in search of the perfect tagline. Now, I had worked on it for quite some time, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the words just came shooting into my mind. We are now. I knew it was right the moment I conceived of those words, and I truly believed that the tagline played a pivotal role in defining who we were as a company at that time. Actually, from that tagline, the rest of our team did an incredible job of building revolutionary and first-in-North America services that spoke to that tagline. The progression of that simple thought created countless millions of dollars in revenue because I trusted a feeling I'd had in a moment of pure inspiration. And that is an honest account of the imagination at work. I've also noticed something else that's pretty cool about the imagination. What I've noticed is that imagination is an energy field, so to speak, that can and will permeate well beyond the conception period if it's transcribed or communicated effectively. Regrettably, the same is true of its lasting effect if it's forcibly exerted on the public by dogmatic institutions. Musical recordings, paintings, sculptures, this podcast I endeavor to create, are all examples of imagination that transcend the creation phase. This is one of the reasons I believe so strongly in exceptional communication skills through all kinds of mediums. As long as the idea remains a part of some type of collective consciousness, then it'll continue to reverberate for potentially a very long time. Until they're disproven, scientific theories like a geocentric view of astronomy, whereby the Earth is the center of the universe, versus a heliocentric view that the Sun is the center, become the way in which we view the world. So the imagination isn't just a cognitive faculty, it's a power in its own right. 
although very malleable and infinite in potential at the moment we focus our awareness on its being. But make no mistake, we, as in you, have complete control of our imagination. You may not possess the knowledge or the experience to use it as effectively as you'd like, but that doesn't mean that it can't or won't happen. In fact, I'll argue that more people are discovering how to harness imagination today than ever before. Just look at what's happening in the midst of a world pandemic at the time of me creating this very episode. At no other time in my lifetime that I can recall has an event like COVID had such a global impact on the human inhabitants of this planet. Massive scale shutdowns and quarantine orders have significantly affected our ability to socially interact in the flesh. Such a radical shift has undoubtedly had its consequences, some of them being the effects of prolonged isolation, the sudden end of routine person-to-person socialization, and the effects of the family dynamic within a home, just to mention a few of them. But with less social obligations to navigate and less travel to the office, have you ever witnessed another period of time in which there has been so much self-reflection leading to such widespread discovery? I haven't. How many people do you know are deliberately choosing to look inward and work on themselves right now? I'm seeing it in greater numbers every day. The sheer amount of innovation being produced in spite of being in a pandemic is incredible. In many cases, we're witnessing the collapse of who we think we are as a civilization. We are turning inward and harnessing the power of something far greater than the viewpoint that life is the product of what we see. It's actually not. Life is what we feel. This is the first time that I've gone back-to-back with two episodes that are meant to fit together. I didn't plan it, I didn't conceive of the idea before creating the last episode, or even when I sat down to create this one. Instead, I tapped into the imagination and I knew I had to do it as soon as I felt it. And that's the imagination I've been talking about today. That's heart-brain coherence. That's the point of these past two episodes, that if we take the time to feel the rhythm of the heart, we'll notice that it's the rhythm of progress, it's the rhythm of growth, and ultimately, it's the rhythm of the universe. Hey, I'm so grateful that 18 episodes into this journey that I've decided to call Almost Enlightened that you're still here with me. Thanks for your energy, and thanks for your support. If you want to dive even deeper into some of the material in these podcasts, please subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do by going to my website, www.almostenlightened.life. And please know that I appreciate you. Music.